It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now pushing the limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Shapiro at you on a Tuesday. Welcome to Push the Limits. Glad you could join us. Oh, yeah, we're going to have some fun today, as we always do every day. Some college baseball at Las Vegas Ballpark. We'll get to that with Jim Gemma. I've never been to a college baseball game, I'm embarrassed to say. Not once. So this will be my first college baseball game. I'm a virgin when it comes to college baseball. When it comes to college baseball, calm down. The latest on this saga, on the uh, Will Smith slap, that's been around the world on every network, every channel, every station, everything. Well, we're going to move the story a little bit because I have a very special guest coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, she is a psychologist. Alex Moreno is going to be joining us. She's the founder of Media and Community Psychology. She actually gave me and my mom a free clinical therapy session live on the air last year. When I was doing the show at uh, at another station, very smart. What happened to Will Smith? What is going on with him psychologically? She's going to tell us coming up here in just a few. At the bottom of the hour, one of my favorite comedians. The guy has literally, I'm not exaggerating, over 200 million views on YouTube. This guy is so funny. He's been a stand-up comic for 20 years, so I'm going to ask him, when does a comedian cross the line? Does he think Chris Rock crossed the line in that joke about Jada Pinkett Smith? The very funny and talented Steve Hofstetter will be joining us at the bottom of the hour, so that is going to be a lot of fun. And then I love it. While I have some criticisms for Joe Biden, our president, uh, boy, did he just take down a Fox News reporter yesterday in a press conference. It was awesome. Uh, I will get to that. And, you know, all the things going on in the world— we have cybersecurity experts from the FBI that are speaking to Congress today, and you're not going to believe what Matt Gates decided to ask one of those FBI members. It's Maybe you won't be surprised, but we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. Uh, on a bright side of things, Will Smith has apologized for what he did, so that's good. Uh, he made a statement on social media. I'm going to read it to you. Here's exactly what it says verbatim. He says, jokes at my expense are part of the job. But a joke about Jada's medical condition was too much for me to bear, and I reacted emotionally. He said, I would like to publicly apologize to you, Chris. I was out of line, and I was wrong. I'm embarrassed, and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There is no place for violence in a world and love and kindness. He also went on by saying, I am a work in progress. He said, I deeply regret that my behavior has stained what had would have been an otherwise gorgeous journey for all of us. So he also added violence in all forms is poisonous and destructive. So obviously he said all the right things. I don't think Will Smith is a bad guy. I think he knows that he made a mistake. But, you know, one could argue Chris Rock wasn't making a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith uh, and her condition. In fact, people around Chris Smith, uh, Chris, did I say Chris Smith? Chris Rock uh, has also said that he didn't even know about the condition. He didn't even know that Jada Pinkett Smith was suffering from this. And he didn't even write the joke. So 
I've kind of had, as I've been thinking about this the last couple days, and obviously I take Chris Rock's side 100%, but I've also said, you know, you can make the argument that the joke was a little bit insensitive, uh, over the top. I'm going to say, you know what, not really. I mean, maybe you can can make that argument, but, you know, there are people that make jokes at other people's expense all the time, and it's the Oscars. We all know what Will Smith did was wrong. But I think we're just we're just so sensitive as a society these days. Everything can hurt us, you know. Oh my God, my feelings were hurt. I'm going to tell you something. I'm a diabetic. Uh, if I was at an award show, which I never will be, well, maybe the porn awards. Maybe one day I'll get lucky. But if I was at an award show one day and somebody made a joke about my diabetes, I would laugh. Okay, I would laugh because I know it wouldn't be malicious, and we're all trying to make people laugh and poking a little fun at somebody. It's not the end of the world. By the way. Demi Moore in G.I. Jane was smoking hot in that movie. Smoking hot. Demi Moore in her prime, and she's still beautiful. One of the most, one of the hottest actresses of my generation. So I would say that's probably a compliment. And by the way, Jada Pinkett Smith is beautiful. If you cut your hair as short as they as their hair is, and I know it's Jada, it's not her fault. I understand that her condition, and you are still beautiful. That, that that speaks volumes to how how amazingly hot you are as a woman. If you can cut your hair that short, or your hair is that short, and you're still beautiful, so I would actually take that as a compliment. So that that's just my personal take on that whole issue. That's 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 what I would say about that. Um, now Jada Pinkett Smith has also put out a statement. I'm going to have our producer uh, Numchuck read that statement for you. This is all Jada Pinkett. And by the way, I'm not joking. This is all right, Numchuck. Jada Pinkett Smith has said since the incident. Correct. Correct. Okay. What did she say? She went on her social media. What did she, she say? She posted, "This is a season for healing, and I'm here for it." <laughs> oh, really? She is. That's all she said. Wow. Very interesting. Well, here's my advice to Jada Pinkett Smith. Now, people could live their lives any way they want to. People could live their lives any way they want to. If they want to have an open relationship, that's fine. Clearly, this is not working out for Will Smith. So my advice to Jada Pinkett Smith is either divorce Will Smith or stop sleeping with all these other guys. Because clearly he is a broken man, and clearly he is not in a very, very good place. So, you know, I say to myself, what is going on with Will Smith? Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a medical expert. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on in his head. I have absolutely no clue. But from what I saw the other day, this is a guy who is struggling emotionally. He has some sort of mental illness. But again, I'm not a professional. So I said to myself, I want to get a professional on this show because I want to find out what the hell is going on with Will Smith. This is not normal behavior. So the lady we have with us on the line right now, I certainly have a lot of respect for. She has her own show, and she's done radio herself. Uh, she's also the founder of Media and Community Psychologist. Uh, she's a mental and, and societal health subject matter expert. Uh, Dr. Alexis Moreno is joining us on the line. Doc, thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Hi, I'm, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, last time I had you on uh, my radio show, we were psychoanaly- you were psychoanalyzing me and my mother at the same time. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. But neither me or my mother ha- have ever, during an award show, smacked somebody in the face. I just want to be very clear on that. Um, can, I right. ask, can, I, can I ask, and thank you so much for coming on. I want to ask you this to start. As a clinical psychologist and as a human being, when you first saw 
this whole thing happened and you saw Will Smith smack Chris Rock in the face, what's the first thing that entered your mind? Yeah, all, all of my clinical psychology training, um, which actually has been primarily with men, um, really, really spoke to me in that moment because it was just so layered. Um, there was clear just impulsivity and emotional dysregulation in that moment. There was something or maybe even multiple things that were happening um, to Will Smith that were really triggering to him. Um and I was, you know, at first just in disbelief. I thought, like, yeah. as I'm sure many of your listeners, like, is this, is this staged? Like, is this is this supposed to be happening? Right. Um, because it just seems so outlandish, you know, to happen in such a you know such a formal setting um, as well. That's pretty high respected within that community um, to to experience that type of assault and violence in the middle of that was pretty uh, pretty shocking. I want to ask, and I agree with you, I think we were all shocked at that moment. I thought it was a skit at first. I couldn't believe it was real. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is real. So the moment that Chris Rock makes this joke, and again, some people can argue it was a little bit distasteful, but the moment of the joke, Mm -hmm. you see Jada Pinkett roll her eyes, but you see Will Smith laughing. So it seemed to me me that Will Smith didn't have a problem with it, but then when he looks at his wife and he sees that Mm -hmm. she had a problem with it, then he reacts. Is Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, that, that's what I noticed, too, um, which is why I thought <laughs> even when he was going up there and then turned around, there's a, there's a shot of him where he's still kind of smirking after the slap, um, which is why I thought it was it was staged. But, I mean, that that's why in those moments things are happening in, like, microseconds, you know, and you've probably experienced this yourself. You know, there's multiple things happening at the same time, and you're observing and then just kind of responding to each thing microsecond to microsecond yeah and you know the joke probably seemed very casual to him but when he looked over to the person that he loves and cares about and noticed that she had a reaction and and she's been struggling she's been very open about how she's been struggling with her medical condition for for a bit now you know that that changed that changed the that changed the response to that triggering event there yeah no, no question about that so i guess uh my next question for you is why you know why does will smith react yeah. this way now i can't imagine I've been in an open relationship myself. Uh, it's it appears to me that Will Smith is not the person that, and maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't. It, based on everything that both have said, you know, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith, it seems as though Will Smith is not the one that initiated this open relationship. It seems like Jada Pinkett Smith is the one that wanted it, and it appears to me over mm-hmm. the course of years, of course of many years, it's been very very public. It appears to me that Will Smith is having some issues with this, even though he won't admit it publicly, and he wants to be that masculine guy, right? But it just appears mm-hmm. to me that that takes a toll on somebody. I've been through something like this myself, but it hasn't been so public. Do, do, do you get that same sense that this is a kind of a, a wear and tear of their relationship, and he loves her so much, it appears as though uh, he's gone along with this, and he's just at a boiling point now? Yeah, and the tricky thing is that, you know, we can't read people's minds. You know, so we don't, we don't know what they don't, they don't directly tell us um, is influencing their behaviors. What we do know is that in the moment, it's, as human beings, it's not just what we're experiencing or observing in that moment. We all have pre-existing vulnerability factors that are impacting both our emotional response to things, including the intensity of those emotions, and then also our thoughts and perspectives on what is happening in that moment. Yeah. And so when he turned, when he turned and saw that Jada was like you know, displeased or upset um, about the joke in that moment, there there may have just been a flood of things 
One of them could have been the status of the relationship. Another I'm thinking is like, you know, they have a close relationship. I'm pretty sure he's seen her privately struggling with this medical condition and feeling so helpless and hopeless in that. And in this moment, when she's feeling upset, he has the ability to respond in some kind of way. I mean, like you mentioned, bring in the masculinity factors as well. I mean, there's yeah. been a lot of people that have been commenting on this that don't have the expertise that you have. I'll, I'll even mention Howard Stern, who who said yesterday that this is a, a man who is mentally ill. You know, you see him mm-hmm. crying after the incident. It's pretty the, extreme. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, it, it is extreme, but I do think there there's something going on in Will Smith's head where he's really struggling emotionally. You see him crying even right after the incident, and Denzel Washington and other actors are trying to calm him down. And then, you know, when he accepts his, 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 his Oscar, it doesn't appear to me that he's crying, and even he admitted this. He's not crying because he won the award. He's crying because there's so many other things going on in his head. I think this is a man that needs some help. I don't think he's a bad man. I don't think he was trying to really physically hurt Chris Rock. Uh, I, I don't think he's a bad guy at all. I mean, he, for the most part, this guy stays out of trouble, and, and he seems to be a pretty good father and husband. But uh, do you agree with people like Howard Stern that he is mentally ill? What do you think? Uh, I think Howard Stern should uh, uh, keep, keep within his own scope of competency. <laughs> so what we don't want to do is stigmatize emotional responses. We don't want to stigmatize distress. We don't want to stigmatize, like, you know, impulsivity. We all have these these very vulnerable moments in our life where we're feeling overwhelmed, and sometimes we overreact, and sometimes, unfortunately, that is um, aggressively. And... That doesn't necessarily mean that someone, you know, is mentally ill. It just means that they're human. And, yes, everyone can definitely, especially now after everything we've been through through these past few years, everyone can use some support and someone to talk to and someone to process all these experiences with, especially if you or your partner are struggling through a medical condition. Um, You know, it has a psychological toll on us. Mm -hmm. And just because Will Smith is expressing I mean, the aggression aside, just because he was expressing cheerfulness, um, shame, guilt, embarrassment uh, as a response to his behavior doesn't necessarily mean that he's mentally ill. And it means that he's really a healthy human being. That's a very healthy response to have um, the crying and remorse that he expressed afterward. Do you do you really believe that he was remorseful afterwards? Because obviously he put on an apology uh, yesterday. Right. But uh, the thing that makes me question it a little bit, and, and I just say a little bit, Alexis, is that when he accepted uh, the acceptance speech for his Oscar, he apologized to the Academy and he apologized to the audience, mm-hmm. but he did not apologize to Chris Rock. Why do you think that is? I mean, I, everything happened, you know, so suddenly, and I think he was still processing everything. Um, how remorseful he is, I don't know. I haven't, you know, haven't had the opportunity to talk to him. Um, but he did seem remorseful, at least to the academy. I really wish those apologies in that moment would have expanded, you know, to his wife, mm-hmm. um, you know, who was neglected and silenced in that moment while he was aggress- while he was uh, responding aggressively towards Chris Rock. Um, ideally, towards Chris Rock, because no one, you know, should receive any kind of assault. Um, from from anyone or violence, um, and, and so I, I do wish that that the apology, you know, was more expansive. I mean, like now we got to consider like the the circumstances he was in. Like he he had an impulsive emotional dysregulation yeah. in, in front of the world right. filmed. Right. You know, the, this is a this is going to be marked down in his in his history now. 
you know, um, no and that's really yeah. unfortunate. You know, it's really unfortunate because he, as you mentioned, he has had such a uh, remarkable um, reputation. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that from this experience, um, you know, she's able to do some reflecting and really think about, you know, what is his role, you know, as as his wife's partner? Mm-hmm. Um, and what is his role, you know, as a you know, professional adult in um, in the world? And how, how should he carry himself even when he's triggered and even when he's trying to um, to protect and preserve his his wife's integrity mm-hmm. um, what exactly does that look like in a healthy effective way um, where he is actually alongside his wife and his wife's wishes versus just responding with um, you know some some entitlement there yeah. and some, and some um, you know, some ego mm-hmm. there. So Sure. Yeah, um, no, I agree. I agree with you. If you're just joining us, speaking with uh, psychologist uh, Alexis Moreno, uh, also the founder of Median Community Psychologist, talking, of course, about what took place at the Oscars the other night. All right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Doc, let's let's talk a little bit about Chris Rock. I thought Chris Rock could yeah. not have handled that any better. I think that really could have gone south, right? What if, uh, you know, there's so many different things I could say here, but what if Chris Rock fought back? That's number one. Number two, it looked like Chris Rock had to stop himself because it looked like he was going to make a couple more jokes there in that awkward Mm -hmm. moment, and then he kind of stopped himself. I think that's probably what was going to happen next. I mean, imagine if he made a joke about their open relationship. Who knows what Will Smith does? He probably gets right back there on stage. I thought Chris Rock handled it absolutely perfectly. Uh, What do you make of that? Yeah, and, and that's part of why I thought it was staged because his hands were down. I mean, typically, if you see someone approaching you who who looks like <laughs> an aggressor, you put your hands up in some kind of defense, you know. Um, but I I was pretty I was really impressed with how you know observant and mindful he was in that moment with all of the different um, circumstances happening around him. Here you have Will Smith, you know, the celebrity coming up on stage aggressively toward him um obviously displeased with something that he had said and and instead of escalating it he simply just tried to um try to kind of like flow with it in a bit um and still maintain his role as well not just as a human being in that moment but also as um as a presenter in that moment and and in that environment in front of a whole audience and um and live recording so it, it just shows, like, his ability in contrast to Will Smith to really manage his emotional responses to the event um, and and really try to de-escalate the situation as much as he could, even as he mentioned, like, um, filtering what his next words were going to be yeah. was also really impressive. And again, all of this is happening. Our brains are so freaking impressive yeah I, I agree um, i mean he's so qu- and he's so quick-witted right even he even made a quick joke uh, a few quick jokes in that awkward moment even he got a little razzled there for a couple seconds which is totally understandable but uh what do you make of, of the screaming afterwards you know will smith uh, throwing out the f word keep my wife's yeah. name out of your effing mouth and then he screams it louder the second time what did you make of that yeah and then that's where i was like okay this isn't serving anyone <laughs> like this this doesn't seem scripted at all. And that's where it felt like very real to me um, that Will Smith, you know, I know he's a good actor, but I'm like, he looked legitimately, sincerely um, upset at that point. And that, and that's where I'm like also wondering about, you know, the, the Oscar security yes. and staff there, because 
why wasn't Will Smith, like, escorted out after that? You know, clearly you have someone who, you know, who is aggressive and dysregulated and escalated and how, you know, typically we would remove someone from that environment in order for, at the very least, to get them some time to calm down um, and kind of build up that ability to to filter what they're going to say and proceed mindfully. So that that was environmentally was um, surprising to me as well that, that the officers did not. How do you to explain that? Uh, can you? Yeah. yeah, let's let's talk about that because that was going to be my next question for you anyway, Alexis. How can you explain to me? You have a bunch of A-list celebrities there, and I am not saying that security n- knew this was going to happen. Nobody. It was all in real time, and the security probably thought it was a joke too. It's Will Smith. It's Chris Rock. But after the smack is thrown and he sits back in his seat, that's the part I do not understand. How is it even possible that no security comes over to him at a minimum, talk to him and set him aside? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, I agree with you. He should have been thrown out. In fact, I think he should have been arrested. But the arrest is a different subject. We can get to that. But Mm -hmm. how is it possible that at the Oscars, I don't care who you are, you can get right. on a stage and smack somebody, and there's no repercussions. I, I don't understand that. I just think it sets a horrible precedence. I think they totally screwed up. Yeah, and I'm sure that they're working that out, and there's going to be some kind of um, preventative strategy there to protect the people on the stage. You know, I know comedians, um, especially these days, are, are more concerned than ever about, you know, what kind of backlash they're going to get for anything that they say because tensions are so high. Right. Um, and and so that was really surprising to me. And even that, even that he sat there and stayed, you know, and then accepted his award after after an event like that, um, after after engaging in behavior assaultive behaviors like that, like that that also was you know concerning to me that there was no consequence um, for his actions for the assault in the moment. Things mm-hmm. definitely seemed to go very slowly, and I'm I'm wondering why he was able to still stay there. So, so I have to, I have to, I agree with you, and I and I have to ask you this as a psychologist. There were obviously a mm-hmm. lot of kids that were watching this. There are people all over the world right. that were watching this. His uh, son, right, yeah. right. His son is watching this. What type of effect? Obviously, parenting is important here, and obviously, a parent mm-hmm. should say, "Listen, what Will Smith did was very wrong. It's unacceptable. You should never put your hands on anybody." If you're a responsible parent, you're talking like that to your kids. But what type of effect? Do you think this has for Will Smith's son, who seemed to defend his father on social media? Right. What type of effect could this have on people when they see something like that? And maybe they don't have the best parents. Uh, what mm-hmm. repercussions does this have just for society in general? Yeah, and, and this is the thing that's really concerning is that, especially since there was a lack of consequence or response to Will Smith's behavior in that moment, is that it seems like this type of aggressive, violent behavior and this impulsivity is normalized at this point like it it makes it look like it's okay and that's really concerning so uh, you know as as a parent you do want to approach it first with curiosity you know this is an an awesome opportunity to like ask your kids and teens you know who watched it or who were exposed to it like what do you think about that right and engage them in a conversation versus just you know shutting them down no this is bad don't do that don't ask me and but Will Smith's son, and, and Will, I wanted to add this, uh, Will Smith's son yeah. went on social media and wrote, Jaden mm-hmm. wrote, that's how we do it, in referring, mm-hmm. I would assume, to his father's behavior. Uh, that's that's right. not good, right? That's not a good response. Yeah, see, that, and that's a really concerning part. So I'm really, I mean, Will Smith seems like, you know, at least 
public he seems to be have a really close relationship with his son so hopefully the conversation doesn't end there hopefully he's also engaged um and will smith is able to explain to him every all of the layers that were wrong with that not just not just the assault against chris rock um but the fact that he labeled this this behavior and response to, to love is ugh, just drives me crazy because this isn't love this is anger Right. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, a love response would be him turning to his wife and caring for her and seeing what she needs in that moment. That's love. Um, so explaining that to him, talking about not just masculinity, love masculinity. This is the extreme, unhealthy, toxic side of it. Having a conversation about that as well and exploring that with his son. And what does it mean to be a cisgender heterosexual man in, you know, in a relationship where your partner is, is targeted is a target of humiliation, um, and and you know how do you respond to that in that moment? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and use this as a point of conversation um, for if and when something like this happens again. You know, and, and that's something hopefully Will Smith is having a conversation with his son, um, and hopefully you know parents out there, even if. Even if you're not a parent, if you're an auntie or uncle or cousin or right. teacher, or use this as an opportunity to discuss and to talk about the consequences of that type of toxic, violent behavior that a lot of men still uphold and, and idealize, even women. Yeah. I mean, we saw, you know, we saw some of the celebrities, you know, responding to Will Smith and praising him for protecting, you know, um, a woman. And, you know, that the problem is, like you said, behaviors like that can lead to incarceration. Um, and if you're in jail, you, you're not really a protected partner. You yeah, know, you're I mean, more I, of a problem. You're <laughs> so right. And I think, but I think you said it best. Uh, if this is truly about love and protecting your wife or girlfriend or whatever, the first thing mm-hmm. you should do is not physically assault somebody the first thing you should do is console your wife hug her tell her how beautiful she is uh ask her if she's okay that would have been the best that would have been love that would have been the best thing will smith could have done and then after the show if you need to address chris rock then you have a private conversation with him it it shouldn't lead to violence but tell him Mm -hmm. that hey that joke you made was unacceptable it was wrong uh and then listen to here and what chris rock has to say in return make sure your wife is okay if your wife is so upset and she's bawling then you walk her out and you leave you know that that's the correct Mm -hmm. way to handle this situation will smith did exactly what you shouldn't do and uh yeah it's just it's just it's unfortunate um hopefully he learns from it i hope he gets the help he needs clearly he needs a little bit of help Mm -hmm. here and i hope his wife recognizes that i'm not sure she does your husband Mm -hmm. there's your husband needs some help and and you need to help Mm -hmm. him um and you need to help your family and uh your husband uh has some anger issues there yeah and that's a little unfair because because jada's jada's not his caretaker you know true true that's true i i I agree there's only so much she could do yeah if this is all when it comes to our mental health we are we are we have the agency to take care of ourselves and our mental health and well-being. And we are the only ones who could do it. Even if we sit down with a therapist, it's still on us to to do the hard work. Um, And so Jada did absolutely nothing wrong in that moment. And she also deserves 
all of the love and support right now because she clearly did not get it that night from Will Smith. Right. Oh, I agree. I agree with you 100. Yeah. Uh, percent I just I'm just hopeful that that she will support him and recognize that uh, right. he, he might need some help. But you're absolutely right. He needs to take it upon mm-hmm. himself as well. Uh, Doctor Alexis Moreno, I always appreciate it when you come on, and I appreciate your expertise. Thank you so much for what you do and uh, some insightful stuff. And I look forward to having you on again soon. And maybe I could get Thank psychoanalyzed you. live on the radio one of these days again because that was fun. <laughs> I appreciate it. To be fair, to, to be fair, I was just having a conversation with you too. <laughs> That's like, true. That's... It wasn't like hardcore psychoanalyst. We, That's we true. I definitely need some hardcore stuff, though. There's no question. The um, things that float around in my head every day. That's for sure. Anybody that if, knows me could tell you. <laughs> but if your listeners want more content on healthy love and dating relationships, we we're all over social media at Wit and Reason Love. So TikTok, Instagram. Um, we're we're out there. So get get your free education. Yes. So you can learn how to love and support your partners. Yes. better even in the most challenging of times and uh, yes you you said it the, the most challenging at times uh we've been going yeah. through it the last several years and uh no, no mm-hmm. better time than to do that and you're you're so good at what you do alexis and i really do appreciate you coming on as always thank you so much thank you i appreciate you appreciate it have a good day uh that is dr alexis moreno she's awesome clinical psychologist also does a radio talk show out there in, in washington dc uh very good at what she does and i appreciate her and and by the way she makes a good point uh, this isn't on Jada Pinkett Smith. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't. Uh, this is on Will Smith. And Will Smith needs to suffer the consequences for this, and he needs to get help. Simple as that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, here's a guy who knows a thing or two about telling jokes. He's approaching 200 million views on YouTube. He's been a stand-up comic for the last 20 years. He's one of my favorite comics around. He's actually coming to Las Vegas in May. The very funny and talented Steve Hofstetter will be joining us next right here on Pushing the Limits on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. We just had a clinical psychologist on psychoanalyzing Will Smith, but I said to myself, Let's get a, a comedian on the line that has been doing this for a long time. Well, well, the guy we have this on the line right now, he's been doing it for over 20 years. One of my favorite comics on the circuit, and he's actually coming to Las Vegas at the new Wise Guys Comedy Club, May 13th, May 14th. And he also has approaching 200 million views on YouTube, his YouTube channel. He's an unbelievable follow on social media. Very funny and talented, and as I said, one of my favorite comics around. The very funny Steve Hofstetter joining us right now on the line. Steve, I appreciate you joining us, my man. How you doing? Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. Please don't hit me. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> Can I ask you this? As a comedian, when the first time you saw that video, what is going through Steve Hofstetter's mind? Um, I mean, uh, a lot. I was The first thing I wanted to do was understand the context of the whole thing, because I did not want to have a knee-jerk reaction like so many people did. I didn't watch the Oscars live because, you know, I'm an adult with things to do. <laughs> but I... You know, when it happened, my phone starts lighting up, I'm getting texts, so I'm like, all right, let me go check what happened. And, I mean, I guess my my first thought, and, you know, it's still my current thought, was that, like, it wasn't a good joke, but nothing excuses violence. Right, of course. Of course. Have you ever had a heckler ever even come? Because you've had plenty of hecklers. I've seen it on your YouTube channel. But have you ever had anyone that you know, struck you or was close to striking you at one of your shows? No, I did. I did have a, a college student be a bit threatening. There was a, there was one student who was 
purposefully walked in front of the stage. It was one of these student activities shows in the middle of a, you know, middle of a student activity center that uh, comedians fear. Um, just, it's a very poor setup for a show. And there's a door with a sign on it next to the stage that's like, this entrance closed, please go around. So this kid comes in it anyway, and he's sauntering around in front of the stage real slow. I ask him politely to move it along. He keeps going real slow, and he's, I guess he's a lacrosse player, and he's, you know, just kind of showing off. I know it was weird, but he had his lacrosse stick with him. So I made a joke about how his stick was an extension of his genitals, which makes sense because it's webbed. And then... He got real mad and threatened me, and then the activities advisor had to, like, step in and basically tell him that if he didn't leave right now, he would be kicked out of school, and he left. Was this so, somebody from the Duke the lacrosse team, or, yeah, sorry, horrible joke? It, it was not, and by the way, that was disproven. As much as I don't like Duke, let's not spread false things. That's true. But I don't the, like Duke, but you're the, right. <laughs> yeah, that, that part is also true. But the, um, the difference between my story and Chris Rock's story is that there was security that did something about it. And right. that is, to me, the craziest part of this whole thing. Agree. The fact that, like, this is the Oscars. The same way that, like, Kanye just took the stage at the Grammys and no one did anything about it, there should kind of be a rule that you're only allowed on stage while you're allowed on stage. Right. I, I agree with you 150%. That's the weird thing about this whole this whole thing, and we can get more into that, but I want to talk to you from a comedian's perspective on Chris Rock's joke. My take, Steve, yeah. is this. I thought you, you could make the argument that it was a little distasteful, right? You could make that argument. There's a lot of jokes that are distasteful. That was Chris Rock's joke. People are going to be made fun of. I don't think it was malicious. Uh, I don't really think – first of all, it wasn't even Chris Rock's joke. I don't think Chris Rock owes any apology at all. I think this is all on Will Smith. Again, you could make the argument that maybe there's a line you shouldn't cross. Like, for example, right, I understand that Jada Pinkett Smith doesn't have cancer, but I think you would agree with me. Jokes shouldn't be made about people in the crowd that have cancer, right? I, now, it wasn't to that level. Well, so, so I want to ask you about no, that. Go ahead. I, I think setting those minute rules is kind of a fool's errand because so much of it depends on the joke, and it depends – is the victim of the joke the victim in real life? Can you make fun of cancer? You absolutely can. Cancer is evil. The, the idea you shouldn't make fun of someone for getting cancer, and that's a big distinction. And I think what was wrong with the joke was that, first of all, I do not think that Chris Rock knew that she had alopecia. Yes. There is no evidence of that. The, the idea that like he knew because... Like, there, there are fans who are like, well, of course he knew. It's like, why? Because you read People magazine? You assume <laughs> right. he does also? Like, right. Right. there's a, I, I didn't know. Millions of us didn't know. Also, most of the people saying that don't know what alopecia is. Mm -hmm. But that said, and they laughed a lot when it was the, when it was a punchline on Arrested Development for a full season. Mm -hmm. The, I, I think the issue that I have with the joke is that you don't need to take a joke cracking on someone's physical appearance. There are so many other ways you can go, and I think in that sense it was lazy. I don't think Chris wrote it. I don't know. I'm, it's just conjecture based on how I know award shows work. Mm -hmm. He probably didn't write it. He, it is his responsibility whether or not to tell it. That's true. But it also could have been written last minute, could have been written during the break, handed to him. I don't know. 
I just know that, like, he's a better comic than cracking on someone's physical appearance. Agree. And by the way, according to TMZ, they're usually right on these things. It was not a joke that Chris Rock wrote. It was somebody else who wrote the joke. And also, according to TMZ, as you mentioned, Chris Rock did not know she had this disease. He, he did not know. So if you're just joining us, we're speaking with one of my favorite stand-up comics. He's actually coming to Las Vegas May 13th and 14th at Wise Guys Comedy Club. Just saw Paulie Shore there a few weeks ago. Great comedy club. Talking with Steve Hofstetter, who has so many views on YouTube, I can't even keep track at this point. Videos are incredible. Are you going to be putting up a video on, on, on this situation that took place? No. I mean, I did write about it a decent amount on my social media. And, you know, I also wrote a comment to Will on Facebook because when he, when he apologized, I was like, okay, this is great. And it was a good apology. But we need more than that because what he did inadvertently – but what he did was give everyone who gets their feelings hurt a license to attack somebody. Mm. And there, I, I know that it's very easy for people to be like, oh, come on, if they were going to, they would have already. Like, no, they saw someone who do it on a very public stage with no repercussions other than people getting mad. And there were, just in my timeline when I was writing about it, there are hundreds of comments of people going, good for him, he stood up to someone, that's what I would do. That's what I'm going to do, etc. And, like, when your feelings get hurt, you don't attack somebody. You walk away. Agree. agree. I agree with you 150%. What do you think the Academy should do here? Do you think they should ban Will Smith? Now, obviously, so far they haven't done anything. And I, I, I made this argument yesterday, like you talked about the security. He shouldn't have been allowed to sit in his seat for the rest of the awards. I don't care whether he won an Academy Award or not. When you physically assault somebody, you should be thrown out. It doesn't matter whether you're Will Smith or some producer that nobody's ever heard of before. With that said, do you think the Academy should ban him from the Oscars? Do you think uh, he should have been arrested? What do you think the repercussions should have been or should be for Will Smith? I definitely don't think he should have been arrested. You don't necessarily get arrested for slapping someone, especially when the someone you slap says don't press charges. That's kind of how it works. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Academy absolutely should have done something that night. I think if they do something now, it's pointless. The idea of retroactively punishing someone who, by the way, not allowing Will Smith to the, act, to the Oscars is not a punishment. <laughs> Have you ever been to an award show? It's, it's dreadfully boring. It really is. It is so boring. I got I got to go to the Tonys one year, and it was just three hours of people thanking music teachers I'd never heard of. <laughs> the the i like the idea that they can somehow punish him is ridiculous. <laughs> the, he's he's clearly going through a lot. This does not come from someone who is currently mentally comfortable. I will not engage. And so the from a governing board he doesn't care about is silly to me. I think that that night they absolutely should have said, no, you cannot take the stage. Whether you win an Oscar or not, mm -hmm. you cannot take the stage. You, you know what? In fairness, he already took it. Like he gets to take it when once. Yeah. And he, he used that up. You know, Steve, uh, a lot of the uh, people that are critical on the right, that you know, you talk about cancel culture, they talk about, you know, liberals and, and the Hollywood elitist. You know, I have no problem with people in Hollywood talking about, you know, violence and how wrong it is and, and it, whatever, whatever type of violence we're talking about. I have no problem with t people talking about stuff like that. But the problem I have is consistency. You just had an actor violently attack somebody, whether it was a slap or a punch, I don't care, it's violence. And then you had the Academy do nothing about it. And, 
and, and I would like to see more people in Hollywood speak out on this because I think there's inconsistencies. I talk about inconsistencies, people on the right, all the time and hypocrisy when it comes to Donald Trump and now their criticisms of Joe Biden. But to me, this is hypocrisy because liberal elitist in Hollywood, fine. You want to talk about how violence is bad? I'm with you 100%. But when it comes to a situation like this, where are you? Now, do you see where I'm, I'm going there? I just think it's, it's hypocrisy. I- I I do. I agree with you. I think there are a lot of people who have been speaking out against it. Certainly the comedy community has right. certainly rallied against being hit for jokes. But the is it like the one group of people that I'm like, it's okay to hit and I understand is inconsistent, Nazis. I'm totally fine with someone punching a Nazi. I, I think that there is a I don't think you should hit people, and I don't think Nazis are people. So there are that to me is a distinction. I do think that you do need consistency about this. And my response to people, like, you know, I've been engaging a lot on social media about this, and no matter what someone says, I will reply and just say, stop excusing violence. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what has been said about his wife. It doesn't matter how tumultuous his marriage is. It doesn't matter if if Chris Rock has been following them around saying that same joke for five years. You do not excuse violence. I agree, and, and that's why it's against the law. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the law here. That's why you can't put your hands on somebody. It's against the law. There's no question about that. I also well, agree. yeah, yeah. That, that is that is true, and I hate to interrupt you on this. Sure. But as we see, you know, in Florida and Texas and Idaho, laws aren't always the right thing. That's so true. I don't want to just excuse it by saying it's against the law. That's true. <laughs> but I, but I do, I do think that, you know, I do think that we need consistency. I don't think. I don't think anyone who is advocating for this actually wants to live in the world that they are advocating for. Because the idea that when you get your feelings hurt, you can just rear back and hit somebody, mm-hmm. that is a bad world. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, again, 150% agree there. All right, Steve, let's get into you, – you kind of alluded to it a little bit with some of these laws in some of these states. Uh, we know what they're trying to do in Texas, and, and you know it seems like a lot of people on the alt-right are trying to uh, get rid of Roe versus Wade and, and make abortion illegal. Uh, we got this don't-say-gay bill, at least I like to call it that. Even though it's up to third grade, uh, it pretty much uh, allows – uh, or does not allow uh, whether your kids or any type of discussion at all about being gay or, 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 or anything along those lines. Governor DeSantis just signed the bill yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. What do you make of what's going on in this country right now with some of these Republicans on the extreme right passing bills like this and, and in some states trying to pass bills where if a woman gets an abortion, she could receive the death penalty? It's just, I just think it's so outrageous and ridiculous. Well, and by the way, I hopefully I will not lose you. I'm about to go into a tunnel, which is something Republicans don't seem to do, because they seem to be terrified of sex. Like, all of these laws come down to the fact that Republicans are scared of sex. Right. Did, did we lose you there, Steve? Are you still there? Oh, I'm still here. I okay. hope you heard that, because it was a very funny rant. Go ahead, go ahead and repeat, please, because we missed a little bit of that. You cut out a little bit there. Oh, I, I said that I hope I don't lose you because I'm going into a tunnel, which is something that Republicans don't seem to do. Because <laughs> they, they are, they are, see, that's the laugh that joke deserved. I should have known that I had lost you for a second. <laughs> the, the idea, they are terrified of sex. All of these laws, they're trying to legislate what goes on in someone else's bedroom, and it doesn't affect you. If people are engaging in consensual sex, that is fine. And the idea that they're like, well, how do I explain anal sex to my five-year-old? It's like, you don't. He's five. You right. don't. Right. You, right. It's, as, it's as simple as, like, hey, 
why does why does Uncle Jim have a boyfriend instead of a girlfriend? Oh, because right. Uncle Jim and his boyfriend love each other. Cool. Right. I'm going to go play with my toys. Right. Like, that's how kids react. Right. That's it. Yeah, and I agree with you, Steve. And then, you know, it seems like, again, another right-wing talking point is critical race theory. Uh, it's not being taught in junior high school or elementary school or high school. Critical race theory is not really being taught anywhere except maybe a few professors at the college level. Yet why is it Republicans want to bring this up all the time? It's not It's not happening. It's a lie. Critical race theory is it's taught in law school. Right. Like, there aren't even really undergrad programs that teach it. Right. And so the, the, the idea that, you know, oh, this is going to poison the well somehow, it's, it's, the new, it's their new boogeyman. They were terrified of gay marriage, and once the tide turned on that, they pretend that they support it. But then they're like, let me find the other thing that will scare ignorant, hateful people into voting for me right. and into giving me money. Yeah. And that's really what this is. These are, these are grifts. Yeah. That's all these are. These, are. these are just giant grifts. They are ways to, oh, your kids, you know, your kids are going to have sex with a boogeyman unless you pay me $100 <laughs> immediately. It right, is, right. All, it's that. It's the yeah. It's yeah. the same. It's the we're going to build the wall privately. No, yeah. you're not. Like the it's yeah. it's just ways to get stupid people to give them money. What do you make of you know? We have an African American woman who's going to be the next Supreme Court judge, and you have all these Democrats out there that are that are saying the appropriate things, in my personal opinion, and it's it's historic. And then you have so many Republicans out there, like Ted Cruz, that want to talk about. Uh, porn and, and her record on porn, which is, by the way, pretty much the same as everyone else that's on the Supreme Court. Uh, they want to ask her, what's your definition of a woman, which has no bearing on her being a judge? What did you make of those charades? Um, I mean, look, they're, they're trying to do whatever they can to keep the court favored to them, because that's the only way that they can hold power. Um, the First of all, a confirmation hearing didn't even exist until the first Jewish Supreme Court judge. And then suddenly, oh, well, we need to double-check that these people are qualified. It was the second a minority was nominated to the Supreme Court, then suddenly we had to have confirmation hearings. My theory on this is that this all happened because, uh, because Mitch McConnell found a genie, and he said, I only want there to be one black Supreme Court justice. And the genie heard and granted his wish. And is going to impeach uh, is going to impeach the current black Supreme Court judge to make room for Jackson. Yeah, what do you make of Clarence Thomas and that whole situation where his wife, I'm sure you heard, was texting Mark Meadows about how Donald Trump won the election in a landslide, and we need to do everything we can. And then Clarence Thomas clearly, uh, you know, is voting a certain way when it comes to the January sixth, uh, you know, committee and and, and not allowing. Yeah, more... the only one. Right, right. I mean, what, the only you... the only dissent. Yeah, what do you make of that? I mean, shouldn't he be thrown out? For, for That's a, clearly a conflict of interest right now, if there's any, right? There's proof of it. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, even Cal Barrett voted uh, the other way. Like the, you know, even uh, even Brett Kegernaw, or whatever his name is. Right. Like, all of these idiots who are in Trump's pocket still vote. We... I think that... Oh, I'm I'm still here. Did you? Yep, yep. Did you I got you. Cut out a little bit. Go ahead. I got you. Okay. Sorry about that. That's all right. Sorry. My my tour start. My tour starts tomorrow, so I'm going to pick up my uh, tour manager from the airport. But the, that's acceptable. Uh, <laughs> the, thank you. I, I appreciate that. He should be picking me up. He's the manager anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> especially with gas the, prices. Well, yeah. I live here. He doesn't. <laughs> Fair enough. But the uh, 
<clears throat> the idea that that's not a conflict of interest, or the most ridiculous defense is that somehow he didn't know. Like, look, Brown, are you married? I am not. I am not. Okay. I, I am not currently, but I have been. Mm-hmm. And if you have anything other than a marriage of convenience for some sort of legal purposes, mm-hmm. like, you yeah. know when your spouse... You know when your spouse switches brands of soda. Exactly. Like, yep. you know when your spouse goes to a different Pilates class. Right. The idea that he wouldn't know that she is actively trying to overthrow the government is ridiculous. Agree. Yeah, that's such that's such a great point that you made, and, and it's it, I don't understand why more Democrats aren't speaking out on this because I think it's absurd. I, I, only a few minutes left to go here, Steve. I wanted to ask you this: What do you make of where we're at right now uh, politically with our our divide? I mean, you got Matt Gates on Capitol Hill today, who's talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. Jim Jordan, who all he does is seem to complain twenty four seven about Democrats, but he's never passed anything himself. The Marjorie Taylor Greens and the uh, of the world and the Lauren Boberts of the world seem to be the faces of the Republican Party, and Donald Trump seems to still be the leader. What do you make of where the Republican Party is right now? Well, I mean, what's more concerning to me is where the Democratic Party is, because we continue to eat our own, and we continue to listen to 70-year-old white men saying that the way to win these elections are to send a moderate right down the middle, and that is simply not true. What we need to do is we need to run exciting candidates with new ideas because that's who gets people out to vote. And that is our only shot. And the even even the stuff where, you know, I, I saw it again this week with social media when I was saying, hey, there's never an excuse for violence. There are a couple people who are fans of mine who know what I believe, who know what I stand for, suddenly acting as if I'm mocking an alopecia patient. Mm. And because... Otherwise, they would have to admit that their previous comment was stupid. Right. And so the cognitive dissonance makes them eat their own. Hmm. And Democrats have to stop eating our own. It is our only chance to win. I agree with that. If the election uh, it was tomorrow, who do you think should run, assuming Joe Biden doesn't run again? Who do you think would be the person to run on the left uh, that would defeat Donald Trump if we assume that he is running again? Who would you want to vote for on the left uh, against a Republican uh, for president? Um, honestly, I don't know. I was a huge Warren supporter in the last election. I would like to know, you know, kind of where her head is at right now. Um, because so much of, like, who I like and who I think will do a good job aren't necessarily the same thing, because part of it is what they want and where they want to go. Um, I still think that she's fantastic when it comes to policy. I think Buttigieg has done a wonderful job as transportation secretary, and I would be, you know, he's such a dynamic speaker that I would be interested in uh, in seeing that. I, You know, I'm not a huge fan of Harris, and I'm not a huge fan of Biden, but I would I would have crawled through glass to vote for them in the last election. Right. Now, we'll see what happens in a primary, but, you know, I, I, and I will, I will vote whoever, for whoever the nominee is, uh, you know, if they're, if they're running against anyone yeah. like Trump or in the Trump camp. Agree. Uh, this would be my last question for you. I know you're coming back to Las Vegas. You're starting this new tour. Uh, you're going to be in Vegas May 13th and 14th at the new Wise Guys Comedy Club, which is a great comedy club. Uh, last time I saw you, you were down there on Fremont Street, and, and you had a really cool set. You talked a little bit about your family, about your dad. Uh, it was really awesome. Can you give me a little insight on this tour? What type of uh, a little material are you going to be talking about? I would imagine it'd be some new material. What, what do you got going on this tour? Yeah, so the stuff I've been writing is basically along the theme of identity, how we see ourselves, how we see each other. Um, I, I think that there, there are so many 
there are so many people who are worried about identity right now, you know, not feeling like they can speak and they can be themselves and concerned with what other people are doing. And so I'm trying to break that down in a, in a way that other people haven't yet. I love it. Steve, you've always been one of my favorite comics. I'm glad you're coming back to town and you're doing what you, what you do best, which is touring. Always appreciate it when you take the time to join us. We always talk about a wide variety of topics. And uh, please make sure that you or none of your uh, audience uh, guests uh, in the crowd uh, throw any fists or, or slap anybody. I know they won't. I know, I know there will be security there to protect you. Well, I appreciate that, Brian. And once more, please don't hit me. <laughs> I'll try not to, Steve. I love you, man. Thanks for coming on, Steve. Appreciate it. Thank you much. All right. That is the very funny and talented Steve Hopster. It's interesting, though. When I get him on the show, we always talk about politics. He's such a smart guy. I love getting into deep topics with this guy because he'll admit it. He's a lefty, uh, but he just – his why I love his comedy so much is it's real-life stuff, right? He makes fun and he makes light of how ridiculous things are in this country, but he's a brilliant comic. He is the best – I'm going to say this right now. Look him up if you don't believe me. He is the best comic in the world at dealing with hecklers. He gets hecklers on all of his shows. He just absolutely destroys them. He is the best on the planet at dealing with hecklers. And, you know, he gets a lot of hecklers because he talks about a lot about politics, and he, and he bashes Donald Trump. There's a lot of people that go to his shows that don't like that. Uh, if you go on his YouTube page, the guy has 400, over 400 million views on YouTube. you got to be doing something right if you have that many views. It's just absolutely ridiculous, and I can't wait for his show. By the way, Wise Guys Comedy Club, we had some of those. Uh, we had Sam Kennison's uh, sister-in-law that came in studio uh, who uh, performs at that club, and uh, I believe – uh, we're going to get Paulie Shore to come on again this month. He's going to be back there at the Wise Guys Comedy Club. It's located right there at the Arts District, uh, just right down the street from downtown Fremont Street. I love going to shows. Anybody who knows me and knows me well, uh, I can tell you right now, uh, I love going to comedy clubs. And I absolutely love going to shows in Las Vegas. Could be a concert, could be a comedy show, could be a sporting event. And uh, I'm going to start going to more comedy shows because, you know, before the pandemic, I was going to like two or three comedy shows a week. Uh, now I'm going to like one a week. And it's, you know, in these t- difficult times that we're living in right now, uh, getting out of COVID, people are financially struggling uh, health wise, maybe financial wise. Uh, nothing better to heal you and heal your mind than laughing. Uh, don't go up on stage and slap somebody if you don't like a joke. That's uh, I think we uh, Will Smith learned his lesson on that one. But uh it's a great time to laugh and have a good time. Steve's one of the best in the business. He really is. And he's a great follow on social media. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his YouTube page. And I promise you, uh, you will laugh. The guy is extremely intelligent. Very smart guy. And uh, real life stuff. And he just makes you laugh, man. Just the, the ridiculousness that is uh, politics in this country and just stupid people in this country. And he exposes that. So he's great. I appreciate Steve taking the time to join us. All right. Speaking of stupid. You're not going to believe what Matt Gates decided to talk about today on Capitol Hill to the FBI. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then the lies when it comes to Joe Biden. The lies. Uh, Joe Biden did a press conference yesterday, full press conference. He answered questions about Russia and the Vladimir Putin situation. He just, just absolutely destroyed a Fox News reporter's question. We'll play that for you. And then what's Tucker, the white supremacist Carlson? 
What's he been up to in, in Russia? Uh, misinformation or disinformation, whatever you want to call it. We'll get to all that coming up next. And then at the bottom of the hour, we got a little bit of college baseball at Las Vegas Ballpark tonight. I'm really excited to watch UNLV play Arizona. We'll get Jim Gemma, uh, who runs the Aviators, and that, and uh, at that ballpark, uh, join us, talk a little bit about the game tonight. So we'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is pushing the limits on a Tuesday. So glad that so glad that you could join us. I thought for a second. Wait, is it Monday? No, it's Tuesday. It is. Anyway, coming up here at the bottom of the hour, we got a little college baseball at Las Vegas Ballpark tonight. It's going to be Arizona UNLV. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jim Gemma joining us at the bottom of the hour to preview that one. Beautiful ballpark and the Aviators AAA baseball season actually opens up opens a week from today. So how cool is that? I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite bars in town. Uh, great food, great atmosphere, great gaming bar. Uh, the owner, Brian Slipak, is so awesome, and it's such a great place to go to. I'm talking about, of course, Jackson's Bar and Grill, located on Flamingo and Jones. Why do I love this place? Well, like I said, besides the great food, the great bartenders there, very friendly atmosphere. It's a great gaming bar, and here's the best part of it. You walk in there, you sign up for a player's card if you don't already have one. If you do, this still applies to you. Mention the name of this show, Pushing the Limits, and yours truly, Brian Shapiro. You get $10 free slot play just for walking in. Uh, I've, I've talked to uh, plenty of people, a handful of people already that have told me, yeah, I got my $10, I won some money, got a free drink. That's pretty cool. So a uh, great place to go to. They've got great gaming promotions, uh, especially you hit uh, the four of a kind of the day, you get to spin the money wheel. A lot of great promotions there and really, really good food. I've been going there for years, by the way. Years in uh, one of my favorite local bars in town. Check them out, Jackson's Bar and Grill. Again, Flamingo and Jones, tell them I sent you. So, on Capitol Hill today, there's a lot of things that are going on. And a lot of things going on in the world. You would think you would want to talk to the FBI and ask them questions about Russia, about interference in our elections, uh, about if you care so much about election integrity, which I think is a joke, and it's something that the right-wing members of the media and right-wing politicians happen to be talking about because they're a bunch of wussy crybabies that can't accept the fact that the orange turd lost the election. But Matt Gates is one of the biggest scumbags in Washington. He's just an absolute scumbag. This is a guy who comes from a wealthy family, who used his privilege. He got pulled over 10 times. He's a drunk, DUIs. Got out of all of them. In fact, one of the cops that got him for a DUI got fired because his father was a politician. And the guy does nothing. He's, a, he's like Beavis from Beavis and Butthead. He looks like Beavis. He acts like Beavis. He's a complete moron. And he has no business being a congressman. Complete tool. So what did Matt Gates decide to talk about today? We got a war going on in the Ukraine, right? You want to talk about inflation? That's an issue. We can talk about that in the gas prices. Uh, there's a lot of things you could talk to one of the head of cybersecurity for the FBI. There's a lot of things you could ask him. But what did Matt Gates decide to talk about, ladies and gentlemen? Hunter Biden's laptop. Have a listen to this, a little bit of this exchange. So where is it? The laptop. 
Sir, I'm not here to talk about the laptop. I'm here to talk about the FBI cyber program. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. Is, has, has FBI cyber assessed whether or not Hunter Biden's laptop could be a point of vulnerability, allowing America's enemies to hurt our country? Sir, the FBI cyber program is based off of what's codified in Title 18, or um, Title 18, Section 1030, a code which talks about computer intrusions, right, using nefarious intent. Network well, you've talked network. about passwords here. I mean, Hunter Biden's password on his laptop was Hunter 02. He drops it off at a repair store. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir. That's an accurate statement. Yeah. And, and that's what and then it goes on for like 10 minutes where Matt Gates is questioning this guy on Hunter Biden's laptop. First of all, let me remind all you right-wing idiots out there, because that's what you are if this is your concern. Hunter Biden is not a politician. He is an everyday citizen like you and me. Yes, he's the son of the president of the United States. So is Uday Nkuse, also known as Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., and Ivanka Trump, who was actually a member of Donald Trump's cabinet. If you want to put a law in place that does not allow kids to take advantage of who their father is or mother is as a politician, then I have no problem with that. Go ahead and put something in place. You want to look at like the $600 million that uh, Ivanka Trump uh, and Eric Trump and Donald Trump made off their father, but I don't hear Matt Gates talking about that at all. It's an absolute joke. That's what it is. It's, a, it's an absolute joke. And, you know, Matt Gates is, isn't concerned about January 6th. Matt Gates isn't concerned about what took place on that day. Doesn't want to talk to the FBI about that. He wants to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Hunter Biden was a man, maybe still is, I don't know, with a drug problem. Hunter Biden has gotten hookers in his life. He's done blow in his life. He took advantage of who his father was and probably made a lot of money off of that. But nothing that I see where Hunter Biden has been charged with a crime, certainly not convicted of a crime, but that's what Matt Gates wants to talk about. All the things going on in the world right now, and let's talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. That's what makes you a right-wing buffoon, if that's what your concerns are. He is not a politician. If he broke the law, then tell me where the charges are. He hasn't been charged with anything. If he is charged with something, then okay. He's the son of the president. That's a story. But right now, it's not a story. But that's what Beavis wants to talk about, also known as Matt Gates. And it's, it's just, it's pathetic. These are... These are our congressmen. These are the people that are in office, elected officials. Is that is that what you think you want them to be talking about to the FBI? Where's Hunter Biden's laptop? Maybe it's up Matt Gates's ass. Maybe that's where it is. I don't know. The Jim Jordans of the world, the Matt Gates of the world, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Lauren Boberts, they are trash. That's what they are. They are trash in this country. All they want to do is they want to talk about how bad Democrats are, and let's talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Let's attack Black Lives Matter. Let's attack Dr. Fauci. That's what they do 24-7, and that's what right-wing media does. That's what Fox News does. That's what OAN and Newsmax do. That's what idiots like Mark Levin does, who is a disgusting human being. Sean Hannity is a boob. Tucker Carlson is a white supremacist sympathizer. Laura Ingram is a racist evil witch. That's what they are. But some of you people like it. 
You know, you might as well go to a clan meeting tonight if you watch the Laura Ingram show. Really. I'll call you the Grand Wizard if, if you think Tucker Carlson is a good guy. You're probably called the Grand Wizard at your clan meeting every night. Speaking of good old the white supremacist sympathizer, Tucker Carlson himself, mm-hmm. speaking of Tucker, here's a little bit of what Tucker had to say about this whole Russia situation and Joe Biden. You want to talk about Russian propaganda? This is why Tucker Carlson is played in Russia every night on a TV near you. Have a listen to this. So Biden just said everything that he has said for the last week is true and none of it has been corrected by people who work for him. The truth is Joe Biden has no idea. Joe Biden has no idea what his publicists say when he goes to sleep. Then midway through his answer, Biden starts walking back his own comments. He does that just minutes after saying he would never walk back his own comments. None of that occurred, Biden said. Look, it feels almost like we're being mean to the guy by quoting him. And no one wants that. No one is making fun of his age or his diminished condition, only trying to defend the country. Then moments later, Biden declared that no reasonable person would think he wants regime change in Russia. Watch this if you can stand it. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was going to I was talking about taking down Putin. Nobody believes that. All right. Joke's over. Too much is at stake as there was ever a time, if there was in U.S. history, ever a time to invoke the 25th Amendment. It is now. As Joe Biden himself put it, for God's sakes, this man cannot remain in power. (laughs) 25th Amendment. I think we should invoke the 25th Amendment on you, you you puke. Tucker the fifth. You white supremacist sympathizer piece of human excrement. That's what you are. And by the way, Joe Biden did not walk back anything. That is another lie. In fact, he doubled down on his comments. Joe Biden didn't walk back anything. Again, that's Fox News, Tucker Carlson, misinformation. It's exactly what it is. And then Tucker Carlson does what so many right-wing idiots do, like they're physicians. Joe Biden's diminished condition. What are you talking about? The man is, what, 78 years old? He's not going to be as sharp as he was 20 years ago. Did you talk about Donald Trump's diminished condition? Like, there's, like, like they just gave Joe Biden a physical. The ones that say, oh, Joe Biden, he has Alzheimer's. The man is 78 years old. He seems to be doing just fine. I have my criticisms of Joe Biden, just like any normal person would that's not biased. I don't think he's a great president. I would rather see a lot of other people in office. But diminished condition? Tell me, Tucker, what diminished condition are you talking about specifically? What is your medical expertise? Have you been at his physical? He has no effing idea what he's talking about. And it's just, it's what people on the right do. They lie. Just like they say Joe Biden's responsible for gas prices. I saw a funny meme the other day. It was actually pretty funny. Somebody in my hometown said, you know, I'm angry at Joe Biden because gas is $5.20 a gallon here, but I just went to Cumberland Farms down the street, and it's only $4. Why did Joe Biden lower the price of Cumberland? Be- yeah, it's a joke, and it's funny, because he doesn't. Joe Biden doesn't set the gas prices. That's not what he does. He's not responsible. The oil companies are the ones that are responsible. It's called corporate greed, you dopes. Ask any economist that is not biased, and that's what they would tell you. But if you listen to Fox News and you listen to Tucker Carlson, that's what they say. That's what they say. It's Again, there's a reason why, if you're in Russia right now, Tucker Carlson is on every night. There's a reason why MSNBC and CNN and these other networks, you can't watch that in Russia. But you can watch Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson is a Vladimir Putin sympathizer. Just like Donald Trump, who a few weeks ago called Putin smart, 
savvy, and a peacemaker. Do you see anything peaceful that's going on in the Ukraine right now? Would you call Vladimir Putin a peacemaker? But again, Tucker, who's probably never been in a fight in his entire life, who's the biggest sissy on the planet, is taking the side of Vladimir Putin and lying and saying that Joe Biden took back his statements and walked back his statements. That is not true. When Donald Trump was talking about injecting yourself with disinfectant, and then the next day he said, oh, you know what? I was just joking. Was Tucker Carlson on TV that night saying Donald Trump walked back his comments? When Donald Trump said that coronavirus was going to go down from 15 cases in this country to zero, and then tried to walk back those comments, did Tucker Carlson talk about that? Do you know how many times Donald Trump walked back his comments? How about McCarthy on the Republican side of the aisle? who days after, the day after the January 6th insurrection said Donald Trump bears responsibility, and then a week later Donald Trump bears no responsibility. Was Tucker Carlson talking about that? Republicans every day walk back their comments, literally, every single day. What about Jim Jordan, who said he didn't recall speaking to Donald Trump on the day of January 6th, then weeks later said, oh yeah, I did speak to him, but I don't remember then. And then all of a sudden it was, oh yeah, I think I remember now, I did speak to him before the January 6th insurrection. Was he talking about walking back comments when it came to Jim Jordan? No, of course not. Because they're hypocrites, that's why. And Joe Biden held a press conference yesterday. And by the way, Joe Biden has, you know, Donald Trump went a year without holding a press conference. Joe Biden certainly is not afraid of speaking to the media. He takes questions from this douchebag, Peter Doocy douchebag is what I call him at Fox News, who tries to get Joe Biden in gotcha questions and makes a fool out of himself every time. I'll tell you, for a 78-year-old man, I think he handled this situation pretty well because, again, Peter Doocy Doocy uh, tried to get Joe Biden in a gotcha moment, and it backfired on him. I want you to listen to this exchange between the President of the United States and Peter Doocy Doocy. <laughs> Thank you very much. I know you're going to ask a really nice question. Well, it's it's an important question, no, I think. Are you worried that other leaders in the world are going to start to doubt that America is back if some of these big things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back? They're not getting walked back. It made it sound like, just in the last couple of days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia. And we know none of the three occurred. None of the three. Occurred. None of the three, Mr. President. You, you, you interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. We we're talking about helping train the troops in that are the the Ukrainian troops that are in Poland. That's what the context. I sat there with those guys for a couple hours. That's what we talked about. So when you said you're going to see when you're there, you were not intending to I was referring to with meeting with and talking with the uh, Ukrainian troops that were in Poland. And when you said a chemical weapon use by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You've got to be silly. The world wants to know. The world wants to know a lot of things. I'm not telling them what the response would be. Then, then Russia knows the response. All right, I'm going I'm to take two more questions. One, right, two. There you go. Uh, what a douche. Joe Biden just destroyed you with, with, again, Fox News propaganda misinformation. It sounded like you were going to do this. It sounded like you were going to do that. No, it sounds like that to you, you right-wing buffoons on Fox News. 
Douchey is it, that's exactly what his name should be pronounced. Douchey. Because that's all he does. He doesn't show up trying to ask legitimate questions. He shows up trying to get Joe Biden in a gotcha moment so that Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram could play it and salivate over it. But instead, he embarrassed himself once again, and Joe Biden proved it with his answers. And Joe Biden was right. He didn't walk back any of his statements. And by the way, for you morons out there that are criticizing Joe Biden for saying he wishes the Putin regime was out of power, why is that an unreasonable thing to say? I think any reasonable person would agree we wish Vladimir Putin and his evil regime was not in power. It doesn't mean Joe Biden is going to act upon it and try to get another regime in there. Why is that a bad thing to say? That's like saying, gosh, I wish we didn't have rapists on the street. Would you have a problem with that? It's the exact same thing. Putin is an evil, murderous dictator. What is wrong with the president of the United States saying he needs to get out of there? We need another regime. Is that a wrong opinion? I would go to the contrary. If somebody said the opposite, boy, we need that same regime in power in Russia, then I would have a problem with that. What are these people talking about? What is wrong with that statement? What is wrong with that? He never said we were going to use nuclear weapons. That's a lie. He's never said we were going to have troops on the ground. That's a lie. He was speaking with those troops for two hours. That's not what he was talking about. You know, it's interesting because all these people on the right, they want to talk about the term fake news that Donald Trump invented in his stupid head five years ago. Fake news, fake news. What would you call Fox News? Is that real news? Is that a real reporter? I was a reporter for 10 years. I wasn't on the left. I wasn't on the right. I asked legitimate questions. And while I wasn't in the White House, I spoke to politicians and I asked them reasonable questions, not gotcha questions. What's a reasonable question? President Biden, will there be more sanctions? President Biden, will you be sending more help to the Ukraine? Those are reasonable questions. President Biden, what can you do to help inflation? President Biden, is there anything you can do to help Americans with the gas price? Those are reasonable questions. It's not a reasonable question to make up a lie. And Tucker Carlson to lie on his show every single night. Is that helping the country? I think what these people are doing are dangerous for the country. The Sean Hannity's of the world, the Tucker Carlson's of the world, the Laura Ingram's of the world. It's dangerous because it's propaganda and it's hate and it's lies. And we have people running for office in this state like idiots and clowns, like, like Joey Gilbert, who's been hit too many times in the head, taking too many performance-enhancing drugs, who's an ambulance chaser, who's his entire campaign or the majority of it is Donald Trump won the election. Election integrity. This guy should never use the word integrity his entire life because he has none. It's a joke. These people that want to talk about election integrity now, these Fox News morons, these right-wingers, they have no idea what they're talking about. It's funny. They think Democrats are the only people that can cheat in an election, too. I guess Republicans can't cheat, even though there's been evidence that there have been Republicans in the state of Nevada that have lied and have cheated in this last election. But then in 2022, when if Republicans win, which I don't know they will, are they going to admit that they were wrong? That there is election integrity? Where were they after 2016? Where were they after Donald Trump won? Where did they all go? Where was the word election integrity after Donald Trump won the election and Hillary Clinton conceded? There was no talk about that. Why is that? Oh, well, I have a pretty uh, 
honest explanation there. It's pretty simple because they won. That's why. And they're full of crap. I got an idea. If Republicans want to win, how about talking about some real issues that people want to talk about, like the economy, like inflation, how to get more people back to work? And how about talking less about conspiracy theories, about how Donald Trump won the election in a landslide and Dominion voting machines? You know, how about less about Hunter Biden's laptop? How about that? Because I think the overwhelming majority of Americans today don't want to hear about how Republicans feel like COVID is a Democratic hoax and attacking Dr. Fauci throwing a baseball pitch at a baseball game. The overwhelming majority of Americans don't want to hear about that. I certainly don't as an independent. If I'm going to vote for a Republican, I want to hear them talk about real issues, not conspiracy theories. But many Republicans out there do not live in reality. The overwhelming majority of the popular faces in your party are conspiracy theorist morons. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Donald Trump, Jim Jordan... These are the faces of your party. And I'm not happy with the faces of the Democratic Party. Trust me, I'm not a big Kamala Harris fan. I don't like Ilhan Omar. I don't mind Ocasio-Cortez. But I'm not a fan of Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer. We need younger people in there. I'm not happy with both parties right now. But the party that is up with conspiracy theorists and the party that is up there that is doing no service to this nation right now are the Republicans. And I don't care what you say. Are there some good Republicans out there? Absolutely. But the overwhelming majority of Republicans are conspiracy theorists, morons, and monsters is what they are. That's what they are. And it's, it's so frustrating that when we're talking to a cybersecurity expert with the FBI, and there's so many important topics that we can talk about, including Russian interference – in, the, in this country. There's so many different topics you could talk to the FBI about today and a cybersecurity expert. And there are Republicans on Capitol Hill that want to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. That's number one on their agenda. The president's son, who's never been a politician before. Doesn't that speak volumes? Doesn't that speak volumes of where we are in this country right now? I mean, it does to me. It certainly does to me. Hunter Biden's laptop, election integrity, and attacking Dr. Fauci and COVID is a hoax. That's the entire agenda right now of, of the alt-right. That's the agenda. That's what it is. And I believe where we're at right now in society, and I've been saying this for a number of years and I'll say it again, the two worst words in this country a Republican and Democrat, because too many people make choices, form opinions, and vote based on what party they're in rather than what's good for the country. You know, it's like being a Laker fan and a Celtic fan. That's what our politicians are doing. And Lakers and Celtics fans, that's different. We're talking sports. But in a political point of view, I want you to be a basketball fan. I don't want you to support a team. I want you to support the league. I don't want you to support a party. I want you to support the country. You can be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. But I want you to think country first, not not right first or left first. And until we get there, that's why things are never going to get done in Washington because there's too much bickering going on. There's too many Jim Jordans of the world, Gymnasium Jordan, who's done nothing in his life uh, except for enable sexual assault of minors. All he does 24-7, that's all he does is complain about Democrats. That's all he does. But when you look at his 
record as a politician. He's never passed anything. He's never even helped to pass anything because he's useless. And so many of these people in Washington are on both sides of the aisle. You know, I want to vote for people that are more middle grounded. I want to vote for people that are fair and honest and don't put themselves first before the country. I want to vote for people that serve this country honorably. The Seth Moultons of the world. Those are the people that I want to support. Heroes. I want people in office that were serving this country way before they became a politician, not self-serving politicians like Lauren Boebert, who think when she screams in the middle of a presidential address so she can get support and make it all about herself, or Marjorie Taylor Greene, who compares Nazi Germany to kids wearing masks. I don't want to vote for people like that, no more than I want to vote for Ilhan Omar, who makes uh, insensitive remarks about 9-11 and anti-Semitic remarks. I don't want to vote for her either. These are people that have accomplished nothing in office, literally nothing. And while I believe Joe Biden is a decent human being, he has his flaws, and there's plenty of other people out there that I'd rather see in office. I also think we need to have age requirements, not over the age of 30, not just that, but under the age of 70. Because I think when you're over the age of 70, yes, your health can deteriorate. That goes for Donald Trump also. I think over the age of 70 is too old to be the leader of the free world. That's my personal opinion, and I'm going to stick by that. We need more younger people in office. We need less extremes in office. We need people that can work on the other side of the aisle. That's what we need in this country. We need to stop looking at people like Tucker Carlson as actual journalists because they're not. They're right-wing buffoons. That's what they are, who spew hatred, propaganda, misinformation. It's one thing if you, you, know, if you have an opinion, but you're not entitled to your, to your own facts. Your own opinions, yes, not your own facts. And it's even Fox News that admitted in a lawsuit that people shouldn't take what Tucker Carlson says seriously, that it's entertainment. And sadly, a lot of people that watch entertainment take it to be real and factual. Dr. Fauci didn't create the coronavirus Hunter Biden's laptop doesn't have information that Joe Biden smuggled drugs into other countries. And COVID is not a hoax. And Donald Trump did not win the election. Is there fraud in every election? Yes. Is there widespread voter fraud that can change the outcome of any election that we've had in a presidency? No. It's never happened. The FBI, the CIA, and pretty much every intel organization in this country has stated on the record that this was the most safe and secure election that the United States has ever had. So if you want to believe in the tooth fairy, you go ahead and believe in the tooth fairy. But if you have a platform, you better be responsible about the things you say. And so many politicians on the right are not, and they're full of crap. And these are the people that are trying to be uh, in office. There already are in office, many of these people. But some of these people are running for office as governor in the great state of Nevada. It's a disgrace. Ask them for proof. They don't have any. It's why Donald Trump's own attorneys were 1 in 61 in the courts. That's why, because they don't have evidence. They don't have proof. If this election was stolen, it would be the biggest crime in the history of this country. So who do we go to to try to get that information from? Who do we go to to find the facts? The MyPillow idiot. That's who we turn to. Could be the biggest crime in the history of this country. The election was stolen. Let's go to Mike Lindell to try to get that information. Him and his stupid pillows. I hope he chokes on one of his pillows. That moron. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back... We're going to have some fun now. We're going to take a deep breath. No more election fraud talk. Uh, we got a college baseball game that's going to be played tonight. 
at the beautiful Las Vegas ballpark right there in downtown Summerlin. The UNLV Rebels are going to be playing Arizona. And that's going to be at Las Vegas ballpark. So I'm really looking forward to having uh, Jim Gemma join us to talk a little bit about that baseball game. So what we will do is we will take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be joined by Jim, talk a little college baseball with him. And by the way, the Aviators season right around the corner. So we'll talk to him about that as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the limits on a Tuesday. You know, if you've been in a sports book or watched a little bit of television uh, the last few weeks, uh, baseball has started. At least spring training has started in the majors. And it's going to be nice to get out back to the ballpark and watch some professional baseball. we got some professional baseball right in our backyard, of course, with the awesome Aviators organization. Their season opener starts against Reno a week from today. I believe that first game is at 7 p.m., first pitch. Looking forward to watching uh, some professional baseball again. And what a beautiful ballpark Las Vegas ballpark is. Right in the heart there of downtown uh, Summerlin, right next to Red Rock Casino. It's a great spot, and I knew this would be a smash hit success. When they decided that they were moving Cashman over to this new ballpark, I said, oh my gosh, this is gonna this is such a smart move, and it's such a beautiful ballpark. And tonight, we have a chance to watch some baseball at the beautiful Las Vegas ballpark. No, it's not the Aviators. It's not spring training. Sadly, those games got canceled because of COVID. But we have an opportunity now to watch a little bit of college baseball and uh, UNLV. UNLV baseball uh, will be playing at uh, the beautiful Las Vegas ballpark tonight against Arizona. That game starts at 7 p.m. And the guy joining us right there on the line who uh, uh, works at that ballpark, of course, works with the Aviators, is Jim Gemma, who joins us right now on the line. Jim, thanks for joining us. How are you? Brian, thanks for having me on the the new show on K Shop. It's, it's it's sounding great. Thanks, Jim. I I appreciate that. I'll tell you what also sounds good: a little professional baseball in Las Vegas. Before we get to the Aviators, this is pretty cool. Can you explain to people uh, this game? Because I know one of these games was already canceled right last year because of COVID. Uh, talk about this game tonight and how this game came about uh, to be played at Las Vegas Ballpark tonight. Yeah, one of the things when Las Vegas Ballpark was built, uh, you know, Don Logan, our president and CEO, he wanted to make this. You know, Las Vegas's ballpark is what it is. Have high school teams play here, American Legion. We're going to work hard, try to get some uh, conference baseball tournaments here down the road. But, uh, you know, obviously UNLV has had a rich tradition in college baseball. So this is actually the third time we're going to try to do this. So hopefully tonight the third time's a charm. Uh, UNLV in Arizona State, who has a great uh, tradition. You know, when I worked at UNLV, Matt Williams played at UNLV. And, we used to play Arizona State when they had Barry Bonds and Oda B. McDowell and wow. Mike Devereaux, and you go back to Sal Bando, Reggie Jackson. So Whoa. they have a great uh, tradition in Arizona State, but UNLV and ASU play tonight at 6 o'clock. So cool, and I'm really looking forward to this game. So UNLV's off to a pretty good start this year, and uh, Arizona State struggled a little bit, huh? Yeah, you know, Arizona State's usually bona fide top 20. They're, uh, I think they're 11 and 14. UNLV's 15 and 9. I mean, you know, the Mountain West Conference is theirs to, to take. I mean, they, they really could win the conference tournament. Uh, a lot like the women's league right now, uh, you know, the conference is probably a one-bid league. It is a one-bid league. So mm-hmm. whoever wins the conference tournament will get an NCAA bid. But, no, it'll be 
hopefully uh, the weather will hold up and uh, should be a nice night. I think also UNLV is going to be out here in May playing a three-game series against Hawaii. Oh. I believe they just announced that. When the Aviators are on the road in Sacramento, May 6, 7, 8, we're going to play another series here. So that'll be cool. That's awesome. I, I didn't know that. So, Jim, I was a little worried. You mentioned the weather. I, yesterday we had like a, a little bit of a like a monsoon, and I'm like, uh-oh, this better not happen tomorrow. What's the weather supposed to be like tonight? Yeah, I know. I know it's hit miss late day here today. So hopefully, you know, the good thing about here at Las Vegas Ballpark, we have the tarp. So, but hopefully, we won't have to even deal with that. So hopefully, everything will be good by six o'clock. Let's let's hope so. Anyway, uh, tickets. Uh, what are they priced tonight? Yeah, they start at uh, twenty dollars. It's really affordable. I know the. We're open for a couple thousand here tonight, but tickets are still available. You can walk up and, and get tickets. So, you know, college baseball. Uh, there's so many good players in college baseball, as you know. Uh, most of these guys go right into the you know single A, double A right right out of college for the draft. So, mm-hmm. uh, the caliber of ball is very good in, in college. So, I am completely unaware of what the pitching matchup is going to be tonight. Do you have any idea who's going to be out there on the mound? Yeah, that I, I didn't see the game notes that each uh, team has provided yet. You know, being midweek, a lot of times you're throwing your, uh, you know, your fourth starter because you know you just got they, both teams just got through playing conference games. So usually midweek, you kind of maybe somebody will make a spot start. It's kind of mo- more than likely is a bullpen night when they do weekday games. Gotcha. Okay, I was I was completely unaware of that. So this is exciting, Jim. That a week from today, it's the start and the and the season opener for the Las Vegas Aviators. Tell me a little bit about that. I know they're playing in-state rival Reno in, in that series, and I know you must be excited that the Aviators' season really right around the corner a week from today. Yeah, I know our guys. Uh, you know, most of our guys in the AAA level are still at the major league spring training. I'm just glad this uh, CBA situation got settled. It's good for for the uh, industry of the sport. But yeah, our guys are going to start filtering in in the next couple of days. Uh, going to have some workouts, and the media day will be Monday for the, uh, like you said, the season and home openers a week from tonight at seven o'clock against Reno. And uh, this year it's back to the traditional early April start. Uh, the Pacific Coast League is going to play 150 games this year, so we have 75 at home, and uh, we'll be going all the way to the end of September. But you know, our full schedule is on AviatorsLV.com and. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful park. The new turf was laid in last month, and it's, it's looking fantastic. So I know uh, this is a subject that is probably not enjoyable for you to talk about, which is, of course, rumors and the Oakland A's. Are they moving here? Are they not moving here? I know it's something that a, a lot of people within the Aviators organization, rightfully so, do not enjoy talking about because you don't speak for Oakland and that whole situation. With that being said, how, how weird is it, I guess, frustrating that people are still talking about it and everything seems to still be up in the air? What can you say about that well the only thing kind of be frustrating for our, our players that are you know their A's employees and our manager they'll probably be asked this at you know media day next week and they really have nothing to do with it right. but uh, you know we'll see how it plays out I, I really hope they stay in Oakland they've been there since 1969 I think we are going to get a major league team at some point but uh, you know they've been there since 1969 they've lost two other teams so we'll see how this all, all plays out um, yeah you know, uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, the bottom line at the end of the day, you still need a $1 billion standalone ballpark with a retractable roof like Phoenix has for the D-backs. Because, again, you can play open air April, May, September. You need, you definitely need a retractable roof. So it's $1 billion, and it'll be interested. I mean, who's going to get the price tag for that? That's that's the big question. Yeah, obviously that's the huge question. Listen, I agree with you. We all know we're eventually going to get an NBA team. It's just a matter of time. We're going to get a Major League Baseball team. It's just a matter of time. But I have to think, Jim, and I think you'll agree with me on this, this Las Vegas ballpark kind of sets a parameter 
It's the arguably the nicest AAA ballpark in the entire country. Players come here. Uh, many players that have played Major League Baseball before come in here, and they say it feels like a Major League Baseball ballpark. It has that feel to it. And by the way, I agree. Obviously, it's not as big, but when you walk into, if you've never been to Las Vegas ballpark before, you walk into an Aviators game and you're watching a game, it has the feel of a Major League Baseball game because it's such a nice, beautiful ballpark. I would have to think that eventually when this does happen, in part, it's going to be because of the Aviators and it's going to be because of this beautiful ballpark and the success that it's had, right? Well, we kind of get lost in the shuffle. Las Vegas uh, professional baseball has been here since 1983. We kind of got this ball rolling. And sometimes in articles and stories, uh, we don't get mentioned, which is kind of a uh, – they don't mean to disrespect us. They do, though, indirectly. Yeah, if it wasn't for professional baseball, PCL, back in the early 80s, they really started this ball rolling for professional sports. And not you, but other people in the media. Oh, it's good we're going to get a pro team. Well, We've been a pro team here yeah. since 83. They need to distinguish it by saying Major League Sports. But, yeah, I mean, it all helps. Uh, you know, I, Major League Soccer ain't probably far behind either. We, Like you said, we all know we're getting an NBA team here at some point. It's already turnkey. You don't have to build anything. They just share the building at uh, T-Mobile. I mean, an NBA team can come here ASAP. No, no question about that. Again, if you're just joining us, he is Jim Gemma with the Aviators. He's at Las Vegas Ballpark tonight because guess what? You get to watch UNLV at Las Vegas Ballpark. They don't play many games there, but they are playing tonight against Arizona State. Two good baseball teams, two good college teams. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a really uh, fun uh, atmosphere tonight. Expecting maybe a couple thousand people out there tonight, Jim? Yeah, I mean, it's all you know predicated by the weather. I know we're getting close to that number so that that'll be a nice crowd here for for college baseball that that's a really good crowd so uh hopefully the weather will stay good it's blue sky right now and uh yeah i mean again uh, and the players love playing here the college kids uh, i mean it's like going into a big league stadium right. real quick not to digress I, I am digressing a little bit back in 2019 when you had matt olson doing ml rehab assignment steven Bishotti doing mark canha i mean they're telling us that you know, the amenities of Las Vegas Ballpark, the whole feel of the ballpark is exactly what you said earlier. It's it's major league. Mm-hmm. We do have the nicest facility in all, all of the minor leagues, which is really great. So since, Jim, you are a 51s Aviators historian, I would like you to share this with our listeners. Can you name some of the big names of the last couple decades that uh, Las Vegas baseball fans have been able to see uh, play at Cashman and at Las Vegas Ballpark that are now in the majors? What's really cool is Pete Alonzo, probably one of the nicest athletes ever dealt with. He hit the final pitch in Cashman Field history for a walk-off two-run homer back in 2018. Yeah. And we got Pete Alonzo, Sandy Alomar Jr., uh, Joey Cora, John Cruck, James Loney, Jacob DeGrom, Noah Syndergaard, wow. uh, Brandon Nimmo. Uh, it just goes on and on. It, it's, a, it's a really a great when list. When did John Crook play here? He played in the 80s. He played wow. the first part when the Las Vegas Stars were here. He actually had the, the first, if you can believe it, cycle. But wow. he played 1984 to 86. You know, Kevin McReynolds. <laughs> I mean, even somebody like you see Wilmer Flores playing with the Giants now. He's had a really good career. Yep. He was he was a top prospect of the Mets. And, uh, yep. you know, the A's now, there's a, there's a lot of upcoming players. Uh, you know, Sean Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, excellent catcher for the A's. He caught with us in 2019. 
Oh, that is so cool. You know, Jim, I grew up in Connecticut, and I went to Central Connecticut State University, and a mile down the road was a team called the New Britain Rockcats. They were the AAA right. affiliate to the Twins. And I was able to watch Torrey Hunter way before he was a major league all-star, way before he even was on a major league, you know, a big major league contract. And I watched Torrey Hunter play there for a couple seasons before he was called up. And that was so much fun to, to watch a player, that you know, phenomenal player who had so many great years in the majors and uh, to be able to watch him growing up. And I think that's the beauty of AAA baseball is that these are really good players. They're young. They're hungry. They're hardworking. And you get to see them develop before your eyes. You know, you get to see them just get better and better. And then you, you're able to root for them when they finally get called up. And, and, and a lot of these guys are just amazing success stories. You know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, a story last year where we had a player on, on, on another team who is from Las Vegas who lost his eye, uh, attempted to commit suicide, and uh, was able to make a AAA baseball roster. And I actually, it was to me, it was uh, the best moment all year uh, in that stadium. I was able to watch him hit a home run, and, and, it, and it went viral. And, it, and he has since retired now. But to watch this kid, after what he went through, in Las Vegas ballpark, as a professional baseball player with one eye, hit a home run, was one of the most spe- – with his family there, by the way – was one of the most special things that I think I've ever seen as a sports fan, and I, I'm sure you'd probably agree with that. Yeah, Drew Robinson, I'm yep. glad he's doing well. Uh, it, w- it was quite a story, him hitting a home run with AAA Sacramento, in his, you know, basically in his own backyard, uh, played high school here in Las Vegas. So, yeah, like you said, you never know who you're going to see play, even with us or the other team. It really is the Major League Stars of tomorrow today. But in the case of Drew Robinson, uh, let's just hope everything will be good with his life going forward. I know he's helping uh, advocate, uh, you know, what what happened to him to other uh, athletes in uh, professional sports. Yeah, that that really is a special story. I had a chance to talk to him and his family, and that was that was just so cool. Such a nice young man, and helping others and struggling what he's had to struggle with in his life. It's very special. How frustrating was it last year to not have a postseason in AAA baseball? That had to be frustrating for the players. Yeah, you know what? We're just so happy to play. Uh, twenty twenty, the you know the industry got got killed. They really did. Got destroyed. It's great the minor league's going to be back for a second season. You know, we're just happy to play one hundred twenty six games. It really. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, Tacoma really was the best team in AAA West and AAA Durham, which is Tampa Tampa Bay. They were like eighty six and forty four. Uh, you know, they were really the best team in all of AAA. The lower minors did have a uh, playoff system. Hopefully we'll have some type of playoffs this year. But, you know, the, it is important to win, but player development is really important. They want uh, guys on the AAA level to play uh, till the end of September. Sure. It just helps coincide with call-ups. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can have some type of playoff system. I mean, we're just grateful to get back on the field. Uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. I'm sure you do. I certainly have my opinions on why it took this long even for Major League Baseball to come to an agreement, the Players Union and, and the owners. Uh, my personal opinion was I thought the owners gave them uh, a fantastic deal, the best deal they've ever had, and it wasn't enough. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And we, and we knew eventually they were going to come to an agreement. But in my 
personal opinion, it shouldn't have taken this long. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, uh, we lost some of those spring training games here in Las Vegas. Uh, the fans uh, missed out on a lot of that across the country. And in my personal opinion, I don't put all the responsibility, but I put a lot of it on, on, on the Players' Union. I thought they had the best deal they've ever had, and uh, they just wanted more. And I thought it was a greediness. And, and I get I understand it. That's what the Players' Union is going to do. They're going to try to get the best deal for everybody in the league. But I thought uh, they kind of went over the line on this one. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we're just happy here sitting here in Las Vegas being the AAA affiliate of the A's. This employs so many people. There's so many arteries to this. On the major league sports, it hires so many people from ushers to concession people. Uh, we're just happy that they sure. finally came to an agreement. There's just so much money. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball is in great shape. It's an $11 billion industry. Uh, it really, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, hopefully the games can be sped up some. There are more fans at the games. But at the end of the day, it's still an $11 billion industry. We're just happy. Uh, you know, when it came push to shove, uh, Brian, the player reps got together and voted 26 to 4 in favor right. of this. And they said, hey, let's get back on the field. Yeah, I'd cut out Cleveland, Oakland, Arizona, Colorado, but we're hoping to get uh, two weekends back uh, next year for Big League Week. And the bottom line is big leagues are going to start April 7th, Triple uh, A, April 5th. So it, it's just great. Uh, you know, the major leagues need to be playing. The minor leagues were going to play regardless, but it is good that everybody. It just hires a lot of people. It keeps. It just employs a lot of people. No question, and that's the, the that that's the biggest issues here. You know, the players are going to be just fine if they have to sit out, but there's a lot of people that are trying to put food on the table for their families. So many people that are working and employed at these places, uh, like Las Vegas ballpark and ballparks around the country, and that's the most important thing. We got to get these people back to work. Uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the ballpark park itself are there any changes if at all uh with anything that's going on within the ballpark this year no you know it's just basically uh status quo uh you know a little bit uh you know obviously you have to keep the place really clean which it is now we got the new turf but we're just trying to uh improve upon what we did in 19 and 21 i think we have really good food options i like you know if you really want to go upscale you can if you just want to have a hot dog and some peanuts and a beer you know our two dollar beer nights are back which is cool uh we really need to throw in here we're the only professional sports team in town that has free parking and uh you know for what people have to pay to park nowadays uh, we're we're going to beat that drum until people are sick of hearing it but i think it's great we have we have free parking uh yeah i agree with you i think the fact that you have to pay to park anywhere as a local i think is ridiculous uh uh don't even get me started with going to nights games that's just a a cluster you know what uh and i'm glad you guys don't don't deal with any of that stuff because that's awesome on a side note a funny note i'm at the dollar loan center the other day the uh which is which is by the way a really cool place that's where the uh, Silver Knights are going to be playing. And uh, I was out there the other day watching our little arena football league, a uh, little arena football team play. And it was, well, they're not little. They're big guys out there, a lot of UNLV players, former UNLV players. And all of a sudden I see Jim, like he's on the top, like on the ceiling there, yeah, talking down. I'm like, what are you doing on the ceiling? You're doing stats and you're like up there on the ceiling of the uh, of the arena. I, I would have like, I'd be afraid. I'm afraid of heights, Jim. What were you doing up there? Well, there was just um, kind of a side gig of, uh... Paul De Los Santos, myself, and Justin Phelps, we're on the UNLV football staff crew, which is a lot of fun during the season. And just to help them out the first uh, couple games, we're helping stats for the Nighthawks. They have some uh, people now are going to go forward with it. But to just to, I guess that's going to be the view for uh, Silver Knights game, too. That's kind of the top tier, kind of what it's like at T-Mobile. You're up really high. So that's why we're there. And, uh, yeah. 
yelling at you, telling you I was moving the goalposts, I think, is what I was doing. <laughs> I think so. By the way, those goalposts are very small in those arena football games. Yes. I'll be honest with you, Jim. Uh, you're, you're, you're not going to believe me, but I'm going to tell you this. Not only have I never been to an arena football game uh, until the other day, and by the way, it was a blast. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I have never been. I'm embarrassed to say this. I have never been to a college baseball game. Tonight is going to be my first. What do you think about that? Well, this is a great place to come. Uh, I mean, early Wilson Stadium is great for – it's a great college facility too. But, I mean, for the players to play in, in this facility, it, it's great. I mean, they'll, they'll be fired up to play, which would be cool. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Jim, I look forward to seeing you out there at the beautiful Las Vegas ballpark. You guys do a great job, and I am, I am uh, excited for the upcoming aviator season. Uh, always a lot of fun and looking forward to the game tonight. Jim Gemma, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Brian, I appreciate you uh, having me on. I'm glad the, the show's uh, doing well on 1400, and it, it, it's a great show. Thanks, Jim. I, I appreciate your support there. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Jim Gemma, who's awesome. Uh, I'm going to say this about Jim uh, before, uh, but before I move on here. I'll say this uh, about Jim. Uh, there are a lot of media people in this city and in this town. Uh, I shouldn't say media people, people who, you know, PR people, uh, sports information people, people who work for sports organizations. There are a lot of people in this city that are horrible at their job. Just horrible. By the way, not just in Las Vegas, throughout the country. Sports information directors, people who work at universities, people who work for professional sports teams. I can name a few sports teams here where the people who are supposed to be working for the media are a joke. They're a joke. Like when you reach out to these people... You're supposed to feel comfortable, and they're supposed to make you feel comfortable. They respond to you like you're annoying them when you asked for an interview or something. Jim Gemma is one of the best in this town. He really is. And I'm really glad he's here, and I'm really glad he works for the Aviators. And quite frankly, uh, they should learn from him because there are people that work for professional organizations in this city that are horrible at their jobs, and they should be fired tomorrow. And anybody who works in the media knows exactly which organizations I am talking about. They are terrible. I mean, I just don't get it. I don't know why. I would imagine some of you people majored in communication. You're supposed to have some communication skills. And when you talk to some of these people, they don't know how to communicate. And by the way, it's not just me. I know some of you might be, well, Brian, they just don't like you. No, I talk to people all over in this town that work for different TV stations that agree with me on some of these organizations. They just don't know what they're doing. I don't understand that. You know, we talk about the games on the radio. We promote you. We talk about your organizations. And I know there are some people at UNLV, not all. I have a good relationship with Kevin Kruger, the UNLV basketball coach. I have a good relationship with a lot of people at UNLV over the years. I mean, I still talk to Tony Sanchez. I've had uh, Bobby Houck. I still talk to those guys. But some people don't like it when people in the media speak truth. I could be talking about politics or I could be talking about UNLV. And yes, over the course of the last 10 years since Lon Kruger left, I have criticized the UNLV basketball program a lot because they deserved it. And I've criticized the UNLV football program, and I will continue to do so because I don't think Coach Arroyo knows what he's doing. And I've criticized Desiree Reed-Francois a lot. And I'm glad she's not here anymore. But, you know, people in this town, they have a job to do. And some of them are just not very good at what they do. I I really don't know what else to say. I'm just being honest with you. And some are. Some are very good. And Jim's one of those people. He's very good at what he does. He He's awesome. And uh, 
Jim, if we ever do get a Major League Baseball team here soon enough, I want Jim to be that guy. I want him to be the media guy because he's he's great. And some of these other people in Las Vegas who work for professional teams and are supposed to be helpful are the absolute opposite. <laughs> they're, they're just the absolute, absolute opposite. So it's frustrating. As a member of the media, I've been in this town for 20 years. It's very frustrating. And I'm not talking about getting a credential either. Although I will say this, the other day at the football, my credential was not waiting for me. I went with Chris Wynn to the game, and we weren't on the list. So that, that was a little strange. But you know what? Not a big deal. That's not really what I'm talking about here. A little goof. It happens from time to time. I'm just not that important. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not that important. I guess if you are if you're write for the Review Journal and you cover the UFC and you waddle your way around town, uh, you're, more impo- you're the most important person in the world. Some people might know who I'm talking about there. Anyway, folks, I appreciate you uh, joining me on Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Uh, it's been a fun day. Uh, I want to thank my guest, God, the, the very funny Steve Hofstetter. 400 million views on YouTube. Do you think this interview that I did with him will get 400 million views? I'll go for 400, maybe 400. Yeah, I'll, I'll shoot for 400. Uh, I appreciate uh, Steve Hofstetter joining us, one of my favorite comics on the planet. Also, psychologist. Boy, I need one of those, huh? Alexis Moreno uh, talking a little bit about the Will Smith situation. Uh, I think we've kind of beaten that to death enough. I think we're going to move on from the Will Smith stuff tomorrow and talk about some more serious topics. Uh, I've already played the audio for you, so I'm not going to do that again. But uh, I want to thank Alexis for joining us. And, of course, my pal Jim Gemma, who works with the Aviators, looking forward to some college baseball tonight. I'm actually excited for it. I've never been to a college baseball game, and I will support UNLV, and and I am going to look forward to the game tonight. All right, folks, I hope you have a great day. We're going to take a little 22-hour break. Maybe tonight I'll try to get a good night's sleep. I haven't had that in a while. Um, They say that sex helps, right? Maybe that's why I haven't been sleeping good lately. I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, everyone, all my listeners are going to vomit in their mouth now. Uh, Thanks for joining me, everybody. And uh, we will see you tomorrow at noon, same time, same place. Have a good day, everybody.